Morning, everyone. If you have a Bible with you, uh, you could be turning to the book of Hosea, uh, chapter 10. Shockwave around the room. <laughs> Hosea, chapter 10. And we're going to look at one verse in particular, which I'll read in just a moment. So I'm jumping ahead, I realise there's still blue buckets doing the rounds, aren't there? Forgive me. I'm keen, yeah. <laughs> so talk amongst yourselves for about five seconds, introduce yourself. No. Uh, here we go, Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 says this. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruits of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. A verse I've been reminded of in the past few weeks, this is I've been uh, thinking ahead and looking ahead to our, our weekend away uh, together uh, in April, uh, and spent some time in this verse, focused very much on that, that central uh, encouragement, the big point of just a small verse, it is time to seek the Lord. And we're going to look at why, and we're going to look at how, and we'll look at what, what that entails as well. So why? Why is it time to seek the Lord? I suppose it's always time to seek the Lord. It's never a time when that verse isn't the, uh, true for us, but uh, why is it time to seek the Lord? Uh, because God wants to bless his people. And Hosea is reminding us, he's reminding the people he first uh, wrote to or spoke to, of God's unfailing love, his unrelenting love, a love that doesn't stop, and his desire that hasn't changed to bless his people. And uh, reading through Hosea, if you've done that recently, you'll, you'll know it's, it's kind of a painful book because it's acknowledging that God's people, Israel, had enjoyed his love but had then turned away um, and they had been loving other gods. They had been worshipping um, idols and God still loves his people. So in, in a kind of painful way, he reaches out to them through uh, Hosea, through his uh, ministry to try to draw the people back to him. Hosea likens Israel to uh, a spreading vine, a luxuriant vine, massive, that's spread out and, 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 and in the past been very fruitful. It's yielded lots of grapes. Um, it brought forth fruit, but having experienced God's blessing and brought forth lots of fruit, perhaps self-reliance had caused them to actually turn away from God. The blessing had come from God. They'd known his unfailing love. They'd become a fruitful people in many ways and then turned away. And God's attempting to get their attention, saying, come, come back to me. Uh, my love for you is unfailing. Um, so here they're being encouraged to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. This blessing from God, this blessing from heaven is pictured as rain uh, coming, uh, an abundant, life-giving, life-sustaining uh, rain. 
Now, if we look out the window in the morning and we see that it's raining, we kind of think, oh, shucks, I'm going to have to take my brolly, or I'm just going to get a bit wet on the way to school, or if only the sun was shining. You know, we have our preferred uh, conditions. Um, but just consider what, what would happen if it never rained? I guess there are parts of the world uh, and you, uh, where that's been the case for a long time, and th the seriousness of drought creates massive problem. We depend on rain. And so sometimes we see in the prophets there's this, this urgent desire for God to come in a special way is, is presented in, in those terms as, as rain coming. And there's another example, uh, just turn to uh, quickly in Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 8, Isaiah says, You heavens above, rain down righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness grow with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Lord, I suppose that's coming from the Lord. But this urgent desire for, for rain to come. And uh, I was re remembering, actually, when I was a teenager um, in the church I was part of uh, back then, Lots of, the, lots of the songs we sang, or some of the songs we sang, more of the songs we sang, uh, were, were water-themed or rain-themed. Let it rain, we were singing in our worship times. And then the next song, it might be Send the Fire. It's like, what? Uh, this might not uh, quite work out. No, both were kind of an expression of, of dependence. Not perfect songs, but a way of saying to God, we know that we need you, Lord. Unless you do something, O oh God, unless you come down, Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. Um, and so we were uh, uh, yeah, thirsting after God. Whatever we do, God, without your blessing coming down, there can be no harvest. There can be no fruitfulness. And God is looking for fruits that we can't produce without him. So it's our, it's our way of saying, Father, we depend on you we need you. So why is it time to seek the Lord? It's time to seek the Lord because uh, we need him. It's time to seek the Lord because of his unchanging desire to bless his people. That's what explains us being in here right in the first place. God looks on the earth and saw no one righteous, not even one. And so his response was to send down his son, the righteous one coming to us to save us, to change us, um, to, to forgive us, and that we might become righteous. He became sin so that we might become, uh, or we might receive his righteousness. It's all because of him. And when the church burst into life, it's because God sent the Holy Spirit. We've been told, you just wait, wait for the promise. Uh, wait for the gift that my Father has promised, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor. I will send you another Counselor to be with you. And if it weren't, if it weren't for him, where would we be? We wouldn't be here. If it weren't for the ministry and activity of the Holy Spirit, none of us would be saved. None of us would have had that burst of life inside of us when we came to faith and we believed in, uh, in Jesus. Uh, there would be no church if it weren't for the Holy Spirit coming down. And sometimes through uh, the book of Acts, we see a whole variety of times when the Holy Spirit came upon people. And uh, in some of the translations, maybe like the ESV, uh, or maybe even the King James, I'm not quite sure, um, it will say 
Peter was speaking in Cornelius' home, and the Holy Spirit fell on them. Whilst he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. It's like, yeah, blessing coming, coming down. So why seek the Lord? Because he wants to bless. That's not changed. And make us more fruitful. When we think of what it might mean to be fruitful, perhaps we might think it means being more busy, it means being more active, it means serving in, an, in, a, in a greater number of teams in the life of the church, and that's what it means to be more fruitful. I must make sure people see that I'm being fruitful, but when God grabs our attention and says, I want you to be more fruitful, he says, I'll tell you about the fruit of the Spirit, about love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit that he's looking for in us. That's why Jesus came, to make us like him, to make us more Christ-like. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit, to produce, to help us to produce this fruit. And there are times when we know we need his help, and so perhaps we, we come to that fresh realization, oh God, I need you. It's time to seek the Lord. Well, so what? What are we supposed to to do about that? If the Lord wants to bless, we can sometimes think to ourselves, if the Lord wants to bless, who can stop him? I won't stop him. He can do as he pleases. He's the Lord after all, isn't he? So then from that perspective, we can settle back into a passive attitude. Think, oh, it's all about God. It's all about God coming. It's all about him uh, sending the rain. We're totally dependent on you, Lord. So as you please, really, we don't mind. We're here. We're happy. But there's no great proactive preparation uh, during the February half term as a family, we went down to see uh, Rachel's mum, my mother-in-law, and we love going there. And, and thankfully, actually, February was quite nice weather. It was in March that we had the snow. Uh, so we were out in the garden quite a lot. And uh, Liz is a very keen gardener, and the kids were playing. And then she said, I've actually got a few, a few jobs to do. Could, would you mind helping me shift some things and, and dig some things up? And, uh, and so that's uh, that's what we did. That's what I did. She asked me to dig up the soil. There was a certain patch in the garden which she wasn't kind of currently cultivating. There's a few things that, uh, well, maybe weeds and, and things growing there, and, and the soil hadn't been touched for a while, and she wanted me to, to dig it up um, in preparation. Because now is kind of a time for, for preparation. If you're a, a keen gardener, I suppose, you, will already be, you, you would already have been thinking, here's what needs to happen at different times of the year. I went to the, the Shirecliff Community Centre for staff meeting this week, and, uh, and in the Shirecliff Community Centre, in our, in our office there, uh, there's lots of mugs, and they're all different. And there's one mug, which is, is like a, uh, an, a year chart of, of when to sow different things, and then when you can expect to reap them. And so like by month, you can see, oh, right, now's the time for potatoes or whatever it is. And now's the time for carrots. And, uh, and, and later on, it's, like, it's always time. There's always something to be doing in a, in a fruitful and productive garden. But for me, it was about digging up the garden. And, and I kind of realized, well, I... When I realized the scale of the task, and it wasn't huge, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get changed. This is going to get a bit mucky. I thought, I can't, I can't just, I need to make my own preparations. And uh, I thought, it's a while since I've done visual aids, so I'm going to preach in my wellies. Because um, you know it's just going to get mucky. The thing is, if the ground is hard, 
Actually, you can walk on it. If the earth is hard, you can walk on it. And, it, and it, it's not about to go everywhere. You, you're not going to get grubby um, because it's just hard. But as soon as you start to dig it up, you know you're going to get soil absolutely everywhere. So I'm not sure if I'm going to preach with the wellies on the whole time. We'll give it a go. So I, I went, thought, I'm going to get myself sorted. I'm going to dig up. I'm going to dig up the ground. And gardening just doesn't look cool, does it? You can, you can look quite trendy, like going for a run. Like if you've got the necessary, if, you, if your fitness is just above a certain level and you're not like <coughs> coughing up on the side of the road, you can look kind of a bit cool. You can't look cool gardening, I've realized that. Uh, maybe you can. Maybe, maybe for some, some somewhere you've kind of got some catalogue where you can turn to like the trendiest wellies in the universe and think, yes, when I'm gardening, I'm really going to look the part. But basically, gardening feels quite humbling and it's quite grubby and it's, it's not sophisticated at all. So you kind of get a massive fork. This could be quite hard ground, actually, but I, I will not. So and just start digging it in, putting your back into it and digging it up and starting to turn it over to break up... Um, to break up the ground. That's what, uh, that's what Liz asked me to do. I did nothing else, actually. Well, there was a few things to plant, but uh, I did nothing else. But because she has a plan, she's going to plant some things, and because it's going to rain, and because the sun is going to shine, when we're next there, I would expect to see that that area that was kind of uncultivated, hard ground, will be blossoming, it will be blooming, it will, it, things will be growing uh, in the soil afresh. That's, that's my expectation, because I'm expecting those things to happen. I'm expecting Liz to do some planting, I'm expecting the rain to come, and I'm expecting plants uh, to grow. And what we're being uh, encouraged to do here, in light of coming rain, is break up your unplowed ground. Now that unplowed ground is not like a, uh, a tarmac pavement. Uh, it's, not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not a carpet. It's, it's ground that just hasn't been cultivated for a while. Maybe it's been fruitful in the past and things, has, things have grown there, but in the passing of time with less attention, um, it's not been bearing any fruit. And actually sometimes it's good to leave, a li- leave ground fallow for a period, and then you know you're going to dig it back up again, and you're going to plant some more things there. But if it stays as it is, the rain will come, but the rain won't penetrate the soil in the same way. And the only thing that will grow there, if anything, will just be spindly uh, weeds, which don't really produce fruit. So rather than us think, well, God does what he pleases... He's sovereign. He's in control. We can, be, we can be half right. God is in control. God does as he pleases. God's desire is to bless. And we can be half wrong. It doesn't matter what I do. I don't need to make any special preparations. God does as he wants. And we can become uh, passive. We can give room in our hearts for, for compromise and sin, thinking... Well, God's going to bless me anyway. Um, and, and a hardness or a bit of a crust can develop to our hearts. That's what the soil represents. Our own inner life. And this is what was happened. This had happened for the people in Hosea's day. 
Probably still going to the temple, still doing sacrifices to the Lord, but there were other high places as well, other idols, and say, right, I worship the Lord, I worship God, and uh, another time, I, I worship Baal, I worship a different God. And that's the, that's the unfaithfulness that the nation was demonstrating at the time. Perhaps for us, it's more subtle. I want more of God, but I don't really want my life to change. I, I, want, I worship him, but I also find my security in my comfort and in my lifestyle, in the bank balance, in lots of other things. And, and so our hearts can be, become divided. I want God, but if God really comes, I might kind of lose a bit of my own control. Now, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So I'm not talking about losing self-control, but losing the ability to control and direct one's own life. Lord, have all of me. Or maybe have part of me. Because there are things I want to retain kind of ownership of and control over. And so we can be seeking the Lord, but in a half-hearted way. Because we want to stay in control. Lord, I desire your presence, but I can't forgive that person who hurts me. We can't demand God's blessing on our terms and then complain when he doesn't cooperate with us. If we want the Lord's blessing, it's on his terms. And we come to him. If the soil of our hearts is hard, the rain will come, but it will run off. Now, we have the Holy Spirit inside us. If you're in Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus, you've received God's salvation, and the Holy Spirit is inside you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And as a believer, you cannot lose the Holy Spirit, but there are things that believers can do to resist the Holy Spirit keeping the surface of the soil hardened to what he wants to do. Let me give you a couple of references to, uh, to explain that further. One would be in Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, in verse 29, read a few verses from there, Ephesians 4 verse 29, uh, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, well, to one another forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Where Paul's writing there, it reminds us that the Holy Spirit is a person. And he's in us and he's with us. And he can be, he can be grieved by, by the things... That, mentioned just around uh, that verse, in verse, verse 30. So we're being told to do something, if you like. We're being told to dig into the ground, dig up our unplowed ground. And sometimes when the Lord wants to move in a fresh way, what happens is these things start coming to the surface anyway. Um, there's issues of forgiveness that need to be worked through, um, or other things. Don't be, in other words, don't be discouraged if you feel, oh, I'm not that shiny, perfect Christian. I haven't got this real smooth exterior. 
Uh, I'm, one of the, I'm a bit more messy. I'm not entirely sorted. Well, we're being told to break up our unplowed ground. We're not being told to polish the exterior, uh, to make ourselves look really smooth and slick as believers. We're being told, no, humble yourselves. Put on spiritual wellies. Change out of your Sunday best. You know, it's okay to be ordinary. It's okay to get our hands dirty. It's okay to get on our knees, which is sometimes what you need to do if you're digging up the ground. There's a real stubborn bit. It's like, right, just start to dig in. Don't be discouraged. But recognize if there is anything for us to dig out, now's the time. Let's not, let's not delay. There's another reference too to... Uh, as in addition to uh, grieving the Spirit in 1 Thessalonians and chapter 5, there's a reference to quenching the Spirit in, in chapter 5 and verse, verse 19. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. We can inadvertently put out the Spirit's fire, quench the Spirit, by, by treating prophecies with contempt. Have you ever done that? I can think actually of a personal example myself where somebody brought a, 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 a prophecy to me and I kind of just thought, well, that's just come from their own mind. They, you know, they don't really know me. Um, it, it didn't feel that weighty. Years later, I come to re- recognize that was, that was bang on. But at the time, I thought myself above it. And sometimes when the, the Lord works in that way, we hear a prophecy. Now, we do need to test them. See, a, a problem can come if we just don't test them at all. Um, but also a problem can come if we think, oh, I've, I've heard that one before. I've, I've heard that reference. I've, I've heard that image. Somebody said that last year uh, or whatever. And we can just inadvertently perhaps harden our own heart to what God wants to do and what God is wanting to say to us and get our attention. So break up the unplowed ground. It's a humbling experience, but it's something we need to do. God says that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And we might not feel very comfortable with verses like that. We might not even feel very comfortable with this one in Hosea, because we don't like, we like totally clear-cut promises, but this has kind of got a condition attached. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfading love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. What will happen if we don't break up the ground? What will happen if we don't seek the Lord? It is possible to miss out on what God wants to do. We say, no, 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 we don't believe that. We believe that God will always do exactly what he wants. There's nothing that we can do that will stop our God because he's sovereign. Wait a minute, you might be half wrong. Nothing for us to do. We are being told to do something, aren't we? We're told to dig up some stuff. We're told to put off unwholesome talk. We're told to forgive. These are actions on our part. It's not that it's all dependent on us. Now, without the rain, nothing happens at all. There's no life. There's no growth. But if in expectation we put our fork in the ground and we make preparation, 
the surface is being made ready. That's what I believe this verse is saying. Get, get your heart ready, expecting to receive afresh from the Lord. So, so how? How do we seek the Lord? Well, just a few encouragements, a few other reminders from the Scripture first about doing this. James chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Now, that is a promise. So let's take hold of it and think, yes, therefore, because of God's promise, I will come near to him. I will draw near to him. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 reminds us that anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And what we do is we take hold of that with faith. We say, thank you, God, that you exist. And thank you, Lord, you've so determined that you're going to reward those who earnestly seek you. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not kind of claiming that it's all about me earning it. But Father, because of that promise, because of that encouragement, I'm coming after you. I'm going to be earnest in seeking God. There will be a time for us when we're considering the ministry and the person, the work of the Holy Spirit, to focus on the gifts, like prophecy, earnestly desire that you might prophesy, and, and other evidences of his supernatural work amongst his people, prophecy, miracles, healing. But today we're talking about seeking him, seeking the Lord. How do we seek the Lord? I'm just going to throw a few, a few tools out there, if you like, not literally, but like in terms of breaking up the ground... There's a variety of tools. Hey, have a spade. Um, no. Uh, but there are spiritual tools that we can take in our own hands, in the right hand and the left hand, as we seek the Lord. And firstly, singing. Sing to the Lord. I'm not talking about a corporate gathering right now. I'm talking about in your time with him. Sing to the Lord. Sing, sing a hymn of praise to him. Sing a psalm to him. Stir up and break up your own heart by, by exercising faith. Sometimes we can become very focused on what we want the Lord to do that we don't lift our eyes to consider who he is and thank him. Thank him, worship him, sing to him. Secondly, as well as singing, confessing, confessing our sin to him. If we claim to be without sin, John tells us in 1 John, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's be seeking him, confessing. Let's be seeking him, asking I suppose, would you know if your prayers were answered by virtue of what, have you, what you had been asking him? I was reading um, a, a few psalms this week. One of them, Psalm 13. Actually, there is four or five times in just a few verses, psalmist says, oh, how, how long, O oh Lord? That's his question. That's what he's asking. How long? He's bringing his heart before the Lord. He's bringing his situation before the Lord, calling out on the Lord. 
It's interesting to see that having said that a whole number of times, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long? His bedrock is still his faith. But I trust in your unfailing love. He's brought his questions. He's asked. It's with some pain in the mix, but he's reminding himself at the same time that I'm, I'm not doubting your goodness, Lord. Whatever questions I have, I, I'm not doubting your goodness. I know your unfailing love and your salvation, so I'm coming to you. Another Psalm 27, uh, where David says, one thing I ask of you, one thing, that's interesting, isn't it? One thing, he's thought about it, he knows He's identified what he wants the Lord to do. I might dwell in your house, he says. Let's seek the Lord asking, bringing our requests to him. As we do that, we can consider also seeking the Lord by fasting. There's a point where people ask Jesus, why why aren't your followers, why aren't your disciples fasting? Why aren't they kind of going without food like uh, other good believers. He said, well, how can they fast when the bridegroom's with them? You don't fast at a wedding, you celebrate and you feast. And Jesus was there with them in the flesh. So it wasn't the time for fasting. He said, but the time will come. On On another occasion, when you fast, don't look somber, don't make a show of it outwardly so that people might be impressed with you, in other words. So his expectation was that his followers, from time to time, will fast. They will go without food uh, for a day or for part of a day. Um, And in fact, when uh, Antioch, there were some prophets and teachers gathered, they were saying, actually, Lord, we, we, we need you, we're dependent on you, we want to be led by you, we want to be directed by you. So what were they doing? They were worshipping and fasting. And what is while they were worshipping and fasting that the Holy Spirit said to them, right, you're to set apart Barnabas and Saul to the work that I've called them to. I think, right, thank you, Lord God. When they'd finished fasting, they laid hands on them and sent them. Um, because they sought God, and they'd sought him by fasting. Um, some of us might think, well, I'm, I'm not familiar with it. I'm not quite sure how I'd handle it. Look, you, you don't have to fast for 40 days, like your first attempt. That might not be a good idea. Um, fast for a day. If you think, I'm not quite sure how that's going to go, fast for a shorter period of time. It could be fasting from something other than food. It could be, well, there's something else that typically... I rely on, or there's something else that typically comforts me, uh, so I'm going to set that aside for a day or for a week. Uh, but then it's important to be clear on why. Uh, sometimes I kind of wonder if we've, it, almost maybe it's become fashionable again to kind of give something up for Lent. Um, spa- fasting is a, primarily a spiritual activity. Whilst we fast, we are making it our aim to say, I'm feasting on you, God. So I'm going without something else. I'm, I've given myself, there, therefore, more time to seek you. And, I, and I'm, I'm kind of demonstrating to you, and I'm demonstrating it to myself, I depend on you, Lord. So maybe there's something else 
disable a few apps on your phone, because you kind of just tend to find yourself, you can think, actually, I'm going to go without. That's not important. What's important is I seek God and I spend time with him. It's not a way of just kick-starting a new kind of healthy living detox. It's not primarily uh, looking to establish uh, a new habit where I, I don't eat so much chocolate now. So we might be fasting from chocolate, but it's like, no, God, what I, what I really need is you. And I'm seeking you, and I'm asking you. So come afresh. And we do that by, by fasting with expectation and also uh, meditating. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Uh, sometimes it can be helpful in a time of fresh determining, I want to seek the Lord to consider, what, well, what am I meditating on? In a, in a, out there in the world, in other world views, meditating is about kind of emptying yourself, taking things out, forgetting everything, making yourself empty. Uh, biblically, it's about feeding yourself and filling yourself on the right stuff. And you might be in the middle of a, a plan where you're reading through the Bible in a year, um, or you might not. You might kind of have a, a calendar that every day gives you another verse. I think, well, then, then meditate. Don't, get, don't allow yourselves just to be pressured by what you hear that somebody else is doing. Oh, goodness. Or maybe you're doing that Bible, in a read, Bible kind of reading plan for a year. And think, oh, at the moment, five chapters just seems like quite a lot. Look, you've got permission to change. Now, discipline, routine, it's very helpful. But there is permission to change and seek God afresh. Maybe the Lord will lead you into a different area of the Bible. Maybe you'll think, I'm going to come back to my reading plan. I really just want to come to, the, to Mark's Gospel or the, or the Book of Acts or to come afresh into the Psalms because I want to uh, develop my devotion there. But choosing, I'm going to meditate on the truth. You could do that with this with this verse that we've looked at today, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers, showers righteousness on you. Let's pray. And we'll worship in just a moment.